Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. Now, it's been another difficult week for the Reds, but we're hopefully here to give you some positivity on all the latest goings on with the club. My name's Luke and I'm joined as ever by James, but also Patrick, who's making his debut on the show today. Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? Hey, guys. How are you? Not too bad. No, excited. Looking forward to getting going. So. Nice one. And as is custom, when we have a new person on the show, we'd like you just to introduce yourself to the listeners <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your experiences with the club when you started supporting us, a favourite player, that kind of thing. Yeah, so obviously my name's Patrick or Paddy, whichever. We'll see which one takes off. So um, I'm obviously from Ireland, if you if you haven't got the accent. Um, yeah. Been supporting Liverpool for, well, waste all my life. So as my father is a Liverpool supporter, just kind of follow on with that. So obviously I'm 20 now, so I suppose 15 years, yeah. as long as I can remember really, supporting the club, so... What would you say is your like favorite player, favorite memory? I guess given your age, it's going to be kind of. Do you remember Istanbul? No, not really. No, that's kind of just before my time. Yeah. So I'd have been five then. Um, so I suppose first memory I do vaguely remember watching the 07 final, obviously right. in Zaggy breaking our heart then. But um, yeah, so that was probably my first memory. But I do remember, I suppose the 0809 season. Yeah. yeah, obviously the four uh, one at Old Trafford, and um, I think it was the week after that we bet Blackburn four 0 I was actually that was the first game I was at, so it's probably my first real memory is, is going there and seeing that. Is that is Torres that scored an yeah. unbelievable goal. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so everyone kind of remembers that goal and um, that win. Yeah, so it was a good one to start off with. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Now, before we get started into the main show, we've got some exciting news. The Anfield Central podcast is now on Apple Podcasts. So just search the Anfield Central podcast in your Apple podcast app and you'll be able to find us there and listen to our first two episodes. Although since then, we've gone on a pretty bad run or continued our bad run, I should say. So maybe just continue listening from now. Hopefully this is going to be the turning point. Uh, Also, we'll still be available on Acast. So keep an eye on our channel there as well as our Twitter account for all the latest updates and episodes on the show. So as I've said, it's been a bit of a difficult week for the club. 1-0 defeat to Burnley at Anfield obviously brought an end to that 68-game unbeaten run. And then on Sunday, we were knocked out of the Cup to Manchester United 3-2 at Old Trafford. I don't know about you guys, but I think the Man United game, there was some more positives than we have seen in recent weeks. I think there was more creativity, more chances being created, particularly the front three looked a little bit more like them old selves, but I'm not sure if I'm just kind of judging them by recent standards and maybe the expectations we've actually came to have over the last two or three years. There's still something not kind of quite right there. What, what do you think? Uh, I think with the first goal, um, it was just a flashback from what we've seen over the last two, three years from the yeah. front three for me, you know, playing the little ball in down the side and Salah with this trade magic that he's been doing since, since he signed for the club. But, I think everyone just looked a lot better on Sunday. But again, it's like you said, are we just judging them off the really bad form of the last five games? Or are we now, are we trying to make them seem that they've played well when they've not? Yeah. Are we just sort of acting upon a little glimmer of hope? Um, well, I think anyway, scoring two goals is obviously a massive thing because we hadn't scored for so long. Like, hopefully... For me, with the form for me, once I've been in, that that'll do her confidence to where to go. Not that Mo Salah really needs confidence boost, but um, 
like you just think that they can kick on after linking up like they did and just say like kind of a reminder to themselves that like we can do this like we're we're the yeah. champions of England for a reason like you know that sort of way and um, just like I know it's going to be a really tough game again probably another low block which we haven't really enjoyed yeah. playing for the last few years but um, like you just hope that you know the floodgates it open sort of a thing and all for you know obviously it was just a kind of a world-class free kick I guess you can say from Fernandez that was contentious really in my opinion anyway whether it should have been awarded or not so it could have been oh so different if it was gone to 2-2 go to extra time you, you never know you, you back us over you know next time period and penalties to to get the job done so you just have to hope that going into these next two league games Tottenham and West Ham that we get kind of some maybe a bit of good fortune that we've been missing this season especially with the injuries and also you know decisions with the technology and, and all kinds of things yeah, I agree because looking at Tottenham and West Ham, they're both coming back into form again now. We're going to play West Ham away. They've not lost in the last four home games. Their last defeat was at the beginning of December to United. So that's not going to be an easy one. And then obviously Tottenham, again, they've come into the form at the right time. And yeah, I just hope that they started off well against United on Sunday. They let United have five, ten minutes of possession and then we started to sort of get after them. Just yeah. hope they start start like that against Tottenham on Thursday. And the way they did against Tottenham at Anfield, you know, Tottenham didn't get out of their own half all game. So yeah. just got to sort of hope they play like that again. So one man I just kind of want to highlight from the weekend is Bobby Firmino. Now, for me, I think it seems like within that one game, it was almost like the story of his season in the sense that he was exemplary at times, obviously got a fantastic assist for the goal. And then there was times where he was linking the play together really nicely and knitting together, you know, the midfield and the front three, which is what we've seen him done over the last two or three years um, since Klopp's came in. But then at other times of the game, there were also little passages of play where he seemed, I don't want to say sloppy, but maybe not quite at it. You know, the Firmino we've maybe seen for the last two or three months, maybe his confidence is down. I'm not sure. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think the two assists that he got just highlighted what, We've seen of him from the last since he's come to Anfield, you know the especially the second one where he just flicks it and then Milner lets it run. Um, but there's times where I don't want to say he's, he's jumping out of tackles, but there's a few 50-50s that a couple of years ago he was the one starting the press and putting those big tackles in from the front. And sometimes he just seems to pull out a little bit of those tackles, and that's affecting the press. So him not doing starting the press as well as he has been, then starts to affect the rest of the team. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I think not having a crowd is a massive thing with that because you could see when he scored the winner against Spurs and at home just went straight down to the cops to celebrate there. So you can tell like he's a massive kind of confidence player where like if the crowd is, is um singing his song, then you know, he's going to do the business. But if not, then he kind of, I don't know if he shies away or, or what the story is, but the crowd obviously helps a lot. That's a really interesting point, really, because I think we can be, you know, in this day and age with football, we can sometimes be guilty of thinking that players are almost like robots, you know, like the FIFA generation of players you see on Twitter all the time these days, kind of the way they talk about footballers, but they are obviously human beings. They thrive under different environments. And since the pandemic, you know, in March, we've seen, I think we've seen some players play really well without a crowd there. Maybe they've been more confident to be able to express themselves and take more risks where perhaps if there was a crowd there, they may be a bit more, anxious about doing so and then there's other players like like you say Paddy about Firmino where he looks so different in those kind of two or three matches when the crowd was back in in comparison to just prior to that 
and and now it seems strange when you think of you know how, how good we know he is that that could make such an impact yeah I mean going back to the point that Paddy said and without going off topic if you look at say Villa this season who when they had fans in the stadium every time a pass went out to play they got booed every time they went behind they got booed but now because they haven't got the fans being negative so they're playing free-spirited and they're, they're absolutely flying so I do think it the crowd with Bobby does does make a big difference and another player who I'd just like to talk about briefly is Taki Minamino so he didn't start this game. We talked about in the preview to, to this match, James, last week that we thought he might get some minutes here. Obviously, we're now out of both domestic cup competitions. Games you'd expect him to be more likely to play than the Premier League and the Champions League games. The last time he kind of significantly featured was that Crystal Palace 7-0 game. He's barely featured since. I think he may have came off the bench against Burnley, if I'm correct in saying that. I'm not sure if he has played other than that. In my opinion, he should be at least above Origi in the pecking pecking order. What do you make of his situation? It seems a bit strange to me. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. Um, obviously, there was a lot of hype when he came into the club. Obviously, he just scored the goal at Anfield for Red Bull Salzburg. So, I think there was a lot of people, for the price we paid for him as well, were really happy that we were getting him. Someone who is used to the free-flowing attacking football, uh, but... I just don't understand how he's not getting more minutes. I think he came on, he came off the bench against Villa away in the FA Cup. Yeah. And then we just haven't seen him again since. And, you know, he goes and scores his first goal in the Premier League against Palace, puts in a really good performance, leading the line with Firmino and Mane. You know, we've seen him sometimes drop into a, a more central midfield role. Yeah. He's quick with his feet, in and out of little um, bits of pressure. But I just think he should play a lot more, especially ahead of Origi. I think there's been rumours today about him being able to move away as well. I think a few clubs in Spain and Germany as well. So I don't know if that's for the summer or if it's going to be this week where he's going to maybe leave the club or not. I'm not sure. But it's um, I think Curtis Sean starting on the wing ahead of him is probably a big telltale sign that yeah. I'm just not sure. He's obviously not doing the job in training because like Klopp does pick the team on training a lot of the time. And um, having somebody who's clearly out of position on the left wing there when Minamino is probably... Probably one of, well, I think false nine is probably his best position, but secondary position is probably in the left wing. So when he's not even getting minutes there, it's kind of the writing's on the wall for him nearly, I think, at this stage. Because um, I just don't think, like you can see with him, he's a decent touch and he's nice and he's quick enough, but he's just, he's bullied off the ball so easy. Like it's, he's just not really up to the physicality of the Premier League. And he, I think he's, he's 26 now as well, so it's, it's not going to come at this stage. He's not really going to bulk up that much. So, just, yeah, it's, it's a pity as well because he's obviously works so hard and, and does all the, the, the press and game right and everything. It's just just lacking that one kind of key element to his game, you know? Yeah, I think it really is that physicality is a really, really good point because when he first came into the club, that was something that was kind of levelled at him. Then, obviously, it's a year on now and he doesn't seem that he's, you know, it's not it doesn't seem to have bulked up that, that much based on watching him play or just, you know, phys- physically what he looks like. Um He's obviously very talented on the ball and he's neat and he's tricky, but if he's not going to get those minutes, I'd argue how he's not getting a chance to to improve. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. But like Paddy said, if Curtis Jones is playing ahead of you, then, and, and it's not even Curtis Jones's natural position to play on the left wing. So it is, yeah. it, it is the writings on the wall for him, like Paddy said. But 
I do think he's one of the subs who offers something different because of his work rate. So when Rigi comes on and it's just sort of, oh, we'll just lump the ball forward and he'll chest it down or he'll head it down. And I just think that it's a bit predictable when he comes on. I think if we throw Minamino on a little bit more, yeah. it might change the game a little bit. Yeah, especially in those kind of, like Paddy says, he's more of a false nine. That's like his best best position. I agree with that. Especially in those kind of little pockets where he might come into the midfield a little bit, just pick up the ball. You've got Salah and Mane or whoever's on the wing kind of left and right to him. And then, in theory, one of the midfield three in and around that area as well. That's, you know, especially against low block teams, like, like we're talking about, he's definitely got that in him. So I think it is, though, just that, that physicality that, or like Paddy says as well, maybe he's not showing something in training, but I guess time will tell what happens with him, but it's not looking not looking good at the moment. So as we look ahead to the Spurs game next, we said in the last show, Burnley was a really must win. We kind of hammered that home, didn't we, James? And then, yeah. obviously, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the day after recording or, or whenever it was, we obviously lost that one. Um, and I think all the talk this week unsurprisingly, has once again been dominated with the centre-back issue. We all know it's a problem. We've spoken about it on length on here, and a lot of Liverpool fans and Liverpool pundits have been talking about it probably ever since Van Dijk got his injury back in October. Reese Williams at the weekend obviously looked a little bit out of his depth. One or two occasions he was diving in unnecessarily. He was obviously at fault for the Rashford goal, which is a big headline. Don't want to give him too much stick because obviously he's a young lad. He's only ever really played non-league football before um, and I don't think it's helpful especially some of the stuff you see on social media these days with young players I don't think it's helpful to kind of dwell on that too much but now we're like less than a week before the transfer window shuts In all realistic realistically do we see FSG twisting because Klopp's made it clear if it were down to him we'd have a centre-back by now and it's kind of unusual for him to talk about the ownership in the way he has done the last month or so so can we see FSG pulling off a last-minute stopgap signing until the summer, or do you think they're just going to stand firm and we're just going to have to deal with what we've got? I just think they're going to stand firm. I've just got a gut feeling that they, they will not budge on this one. Um, I think they've got this mentality of they bought, you know, when they bought the club, the club was in so much debt, so close to administration, and they've worked hard to get the club into the financial state that they're in at the moment. And with the no promise of fans when they're going to be back into the stadium, yeah, I just I just don't think they're, they're willing to take a risk, especially in January when someone can have a good two months and then all of a sudden twenty million pounds been added onto the transfer fee because they played well. I think January is the worst time to buy, so I think for that reason, they, they won't, for the financial reason and you know I, the players that were being linked with, they're probably thinking they're not going to change the club anyway. So that's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I can't see him taking the money out of pocket at this stage. Like every every time we bought someone in January, it's been sorted in December. Like so, there's obviously no obviously getting this late in the winter is definitely not planned by anyone. And the word is that Klopp's going to make one last push to to try get his hands on somebody, but I just can't see it happening. Like if the rumours that either Militao has been towed around for two million loan fee and they haven't that in the bag already, then it's not going to happen at this stage, I don't think. But, I mean, if all the evidence is there from last Sunday, like, it's it's badly needed. And if they don't do it, then, you know, it's just they're going to have to look back at it at the end of the season and, and kind of blame themselves if, if Liverpool aren't in the position they expect them to be in. 
it just seems so strange like you say the Militao deal there that seems like such a no-brainer to me and it might be easy for me to say from the comfort of my home not obviously in a senior position at the club but two million loan fee is really not a lot of money in terms of modern football for a player who you know he might not be the best centre-back in the world but just having that natural centre-back at the club He's Brazilian, so he's got, you know, the links with Alisson and Fabinho next to him, so there's not going to be any kind of language barrier or anything like that. It just seems like such a silly thing to pass up on when everyone in world football can see that it's such a massive, massive issue for Liverpool. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, he hasn't played that many games for Real Madrid since he moved from Porto, but he's in training every day with Varane, who was full international for France, and Ramos, who's won multiple Champions Leagues, multiple Spanish Leagues, do you know what I mean? So I just think for two million, and with a loan deal, you can negotiate wages as well. So we don't even have to pay 100% of his wages. We might say, right, we'll pay 60, 40, try and split it, try and make a deal. If they really wanted to make a deal, I think they could do it. But like Paddy said, all the business we've done under Klopp so far in January has been done in December. So all the signs are pointing towards that. It's probably not going to happen. I don't want to. Yeah, because I'm not even sure. Sorry, Sorry. yeah, no, I just like I don't think I don't think Militao. I don't think he's a great player by any stretch of the imagination. But like, he can't. He has to be better than a 19 year old who's playing non-league last year. And I don't blame Reese Williams at all. I actually think he's going to be a very good defender because you never see 19 year old centre halves that are up to the level of the roof. Like it's very very rare. You look at Fofana at Leicester is probably closest thing you're getting to a a 19 year old performing at the top level playing centre back. So. But like it's just it's an experienced centre half who's been playing there for I suppose five or six seasons now at this stage between Portugal and Spain. Like he's he's just clearly a better option there. And even you know away from Militao, another name that's been mentioned this weekend. In all honesty, I think it's just been a tentative link because you know centre back Liverpool go together in news headlines these days very easily and also the fans have been mentioning it a little bit on social media but I think that's probably more out of desperation is Socrates at Arsenal who's just been released from his contract there obviously he's got the um, I'm not sure if he actually played on the club at Dortmund together but he's an ex-Dortmund player so he, he played in Germany and he's obviously very very experienced Greek international played in the Premier League for a fair few years now is he someone you guys would you would take at this stage I guess it's kind of anyone who can play centre back I think He's gone to Olympiacos, isn't he? I think he's signed for Olympiacos today. Okay, for Olympiacos well, that, today. That, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that nips that one in the board, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the other one that was linked was I saw was um, Supertic. He was yeah. at Dortmund at the same time and he's just been released from his contract, but the club just don't even look like for, for free transfers, they're even going to budge on it. It's just one of those that we're just going to have to get on with. And, like Paddy said, just hope by the end of the season we've not missed out on Champions League football or or even missed out on Europe, Europa League football because you know the league is that tight this season that without a recognised senior centre-half fit, it, it could just be detrimental. I was going to ask, do you think it's really that vital as in not even considering the title at this stage, like if we don't, it could really be that bad of not even top four Champions League football? Yeah, I, I think it's that bad. I think if you look at other teams, every, everyone else seems to have a replacement for the star players. So, you know, De Bruyne is out for six weeks now for City. So you put your no Phil Foden will come in or Bernardo Silva will come in. They're not having to go down to their youth team and say, have you got a 19-year-old attacking midfielder that we can play against Crystal Palace this weekend? 
you know, there's, they, they're going down and they've got you know, senior internationals on the bench. So I think it, we need, we definitely needed a centre-back. I think that, that's how bad it will be. What about you, Paddy? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I surely will get Champions League. Like, I can't see us falling out of the top four because, yes, we're in a bad run of form, but every other team is going to have a bad run of form as well. Probably the same time we're, we're picking up. Hopefully, if we if we do manage to pick up and um, at the red verge of Van Dyke is going, he could be back by March. I'm not saying he will or he won't, but probably won't be. But like you just <laughs> never know. You never know. So um, if he's back by March, April, even for the last three or four games of the season, it's it's hard to see us missing out on top four really. But um, you just never know, I suppose. And we know we all know what Joel Matip is like with fitness and everything. So yeah, it's it's hard to see. Yeah, Virgil is looking magnificent in those training videos he keeps posting on uh, social media, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and Joe Gomez as well. He's not looking too bad um, fitness-wise. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that we won't finish top four, but if we don't get it, that's going to be the first thing that everyone's going to point the fingers at. It's yeah, going to be because you didn't sign a centre-half. But even if you, you know, say we do pick up um, form, like I agree with Paddy, I think top four would be, fine but we shouldn't even be having these conversations about oh will it be top four will it be the title because it's for a club of the stature of Liverpool it, defending the Premier League title wanting to win big trophies both here and in and in Europe Klopp shouldn't be put in this position by the ownership where he's basically having to play teenagers at centre-back or midfielders at centre-back with Fabinho and Henderson it seems like such an almost like amateurish situation for him to be to be put in. And I just think I'm not FSG out at all. I know there's like a big kind of vocal segment of the fan base that are and have been the last kind of probably since, you know, last seven or eight years, particularly during the Rogers era and Klopp, the early Klopp era. But I just think sometimes they need to look at their business model and it doesn't always equate to football. A lot of these owners come in and they've obviously got this money ball strategy but sometimes in football, you just got to, it doesn't go the way you expect it to. The numbers don't always add up. The data isn't always there. But what's in front of your eyes is clear to see that you can't be playing Reese Williams at centre-back against Manchester United at Old Trafford because mistakes are going to happen through no fault of his own. Yeah, I agree. It just, I think when we saw Lovren in the summer, everyone was just happy enough to get Lovren out of the club. You know, he wasn't going to come in and make any mistakes and he wasn't going to say... I'm the best defender in the world. Give me some respect <laughs> because he kept a clean sheet. Um, but to, to not replace him at all, it, it does look now. At the time, it didn't look like a big mistake, but now it looks huge. Yeah, and look, if we don't sign a centre-half this summer and we finish in the top four and make a good Champions League run and we end up signing a Haaland or an Mbappe in the summer, then I'm probably not going to complain. But even if spending five million makes a team five percent better, gives a team a five percent better chance of coming in the top four, then I think you have to go. And no matter what your strategy is for the future, and um, no matter what your plans are for the summer, like you can surely pull five million pounds out of summer. Yeah, definitely. So selection-wise for the Spurs game, and um, presumably we're going to think that Matip's fit again because he was. That's what we were told at the weekend that he was just being safe for Tottenham. Do we go with Fabinho at the back again? Or because I've seen some suggestion from fans on Twitter today, potentially even why do we not give Robertson a go at centre back, put Fabinho back into the midfield, um, where we know he's fantastic, one of the best 
holding midfielders, certainly in the league, probably in Europe. Um, do you think that's something that's maybe not likely to happen, but something that would be worth exploring? I would say explore it in a game that isn't as big as this one. Yeah. This is a really big game now, Tottenham. Um, I think he'll probably stay with Fabino at centre-back to play alongside Matip. And then I think it, gets, it all depends on the fitness of Jordan Henderson. There's not yeah. really an update on him of how long he's going to be out for. Um, so I think if Henderson isn't fit, I might, I'd suggest starting Nat Phillips alongside Joel Matip and then playing Fabino in that holding midfield role. Because I think Nat Phillips has actually done a really good job when he's coming to play. Yeah. You know, look, he's a big, strong lad. He's good in the earnest. I think against Harry Kane, I think we're going to have to have someone who's going to go up against him. So that's what I'd go for. I probably just keep Fabinho there for a game this big. Like, if Nat Phillips isn't being trusted in the FA Cup against Aston Villa's under sixes or whatever he played, I'm not sure he's going to be trusted <laughs> to play against Young Son and Kane. And I agree with you there that. He has, he has looked okay when he's played, but it's probably because he hasn't come up against any pace or or any real proper quality forwards, really. But so um, I'm not sure. I do think he would, should play a few more games this season, definitely. Like I played him against Burnley. I even wrote an article about it on, on Anfield Central that I think he should have played against Burnley, but obviously he didn't. So because I did think we needed Fabinho on midfield, but um, yeah, I, I just I think it'll just be Fabinho and Matip. Henderson will surely come back if not. I'd be getting worried, but if not, yeah, if, if not um, if not Henderson in midfield, then you just play Jones, you play Milner, you play somebody, somebody reliable. Yeah, it's strange about Henderson, isn't it? We've not had really had an update. I'm not even really, are we really sure what his injury is? I might have actually missed what the actual injury is, but. I think, I think he said he, he just felt like he twinched, uh, like his hamstring. Um, yeah, something like that, yeah, yeah. We just have to hope that it's not one of those where the club tell us it's, you know, just a precaution and then we don't see him for six months or whatever. But fingers crossed uh, <laughs> yeah. he's back in midfield because we all know how important he is. Um, I've said before on this show that I'm a massive fan of Genie, Genie Wijnaldum, but performance-wise, I think he's probably one of the ones that has dipped particularly um, lower than his usual performances and what we've came to expect from him of late. Do we think that's anything to do with the contract situation that's obviously still dangling over our heads? We've spoken about it before on here. It's pretty much writing's on the wall at this point. It really doesn't look like he's going to sign. I would like to think that he's too professional to let that affect his game, but do we think that could be influencing it at all? I don't think it helps. I don't think it's something that may be having an impact on him, but I, I certainly don't think it helps. Um, I think Klopp giving him the captain's armband, though, against Burnley is a big statement from him to say, listen, we want you to stay at the club. You know, you've got the captain's armband because there was a lot of other senior players in the team against Burnley who could have worn that captain's armband instead. You know, Robertson's captain for Scotland, you could have given it to him, um, but he's gave it to, to Genie. So I think the club, have they've made it very clear that they want him to stay. I just think it's all down to him now, but I'd like to say, like to think, like you said, Luke, that, he'd be professional enough, especially halfway through a season for his head, not to be turned as much as, as what it's reported. Yeah, I agree. I think, if anything, it's probably having to do with playing what feels like every minute of every game for, for the whole season up until now. That's what it feels like anyway, because he never gets a break. Um, so I think that's probably more to do with. So take him out of the team for maybe 
I leave him in against Spurs, but maybe take him out at the weekend, not even bring him off the bench, just give him a proper weekend off and and see if he can get back to a normal self because he started the season. Like I find that you don't really notice him usually up until this season. Then he started this season, I actually did notice him on the field. Yeah. And um, probably having more of an impact on the game where he's he's kind of gone back to just his normal like pottering away, kind of doing his job in the background kind of thing. So, but yeah, I do, I do think a rest would definitely help him. Sorry, yeah, no, I just uh, just want to plug another article there that I wrote today about Gini Wijnaldum maybe playing the number 10, which I'd like to see at some stage before he leaves the club because we see him playing yeah. there for Holland and um, yeah. he, he's, he's clearly able to break into the box kind of like kind of like the Gerrard playing number 10 behind Torres, getting into the box late runs. And um, it's something that we, like, we might as well try it at this stage. Following the Spurs game, uh, we then go to play West Ham on Sunday. Um, we've already talked about the importance of this this week for the club and the, and the season. If these two results do go against us, hopefully they don't, but if we don't get, say, six points out of both of them, where does that leave us looking, looking ahead to February in the kind of the latter part of the season? Is it a matter of kind of just trying to secure that top four spot and maybe see what we can do in the Champions League, which might favour us a little bit more this year with the knockout format, obviously? Or do you think, you know, we can still have a shot at the title? I think we, we still have a shot at it. This is probably just being the bias coming, coming out. But mm-hmm. I think because our next six games, we're playing a lot of the teams around us. Yeah. So after that, if we can start to pick up the form of the sort of form we had earlier on in the season during these big games then the easier fixtures, I say easy, but not, none of them are easy this season, but the so-called easier fixtures are after all those games. So I think that this this period now could sort of work to our advantage, get all the hard games out of the way now and try and put a run of, you know, six, seven wins together back to back. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's two tough games coming up as well because I just saw West Ham or two and up a half time at time recording against Palace. So um, they're obviously in flying form. So I don't know if we, if we don't get six points out of six the next two games, I am going to start getting a bit worried and you'd maybe say, right, Joel Matip, you're not playing another league game this season. You're, you're just strictly Champions League footballer now. Um, yeah. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, yeah, James, you did make a good point there about playing all our rivals. And obviously we did get a one-all draw away at Man City and we're playing them, is it next week or the week after, at home. So you'd hope that game might suit us. So... If we do get three points there, then you never know. It's, it's open back up again because I don't, maybe again bias. I, I hate Man United, so I don't. I'm, I'm going to say it. I don't think they're realistic title challengers, but you never know. So I think if we beat City, then it's it's open season again. Yeah, I completely agree on the United thing. I think City are absolutely the the main threat, particularly the form they're putting together in recent weeks as well. It just they kind of. I wouldn't say they had a slow start to the season, but they seem to have a lot of problems in terms of injuries as well. Like, but in the opposite end of the pitch, we had Aguero and Jesus, and they had a few, you know, obviously they had a COVID scare as well within that. But I think the last kind of two, three weeks, they've really started ramping things up, and you can see that things are starting to tick nicely into gear again for them. So I think they're definitely the biggest, biggest threat to the to the title. Um, I guess the worry is, is that you say quite rightly, James, that after this kind of spell, the, get, the fixture list gets quote-unquote easier. But our form this season against those teams isn't glowing by any stretch of the imagination. Draws against West Brom, against Newcastle, against Fulham, obviously losing to Burnley. Draw against Brighton as well with that last-minute penalty given against us. So as well as getting positive results in these games, 
we really do need to almost try and put a run together like we did last year where it's can we try and win every single game as mad as that sounds but that's obviously what we pretty much did for the first three or four months of the title winning year yeah I agree but I think we do just have a slight advantage over the other teams is everyone around us is still in that FA Cup now yeah. I know we want to obviously you want to go through if you want into every competition you can and you don't want to lose to United on Sunday but they've all now got extra midweek fixtures now they've got to play the FA Cup midweek and then everyone who's got to play the games in hand has then got to play their midweek as well so I yeah. think there's going to be times where we're going to have a week off and say Man City are going to have to play three times in you know Saturday to Sunday. So I think get these easy, these harder games out of the road and try and have a little bit of a break in between the games and just see where it goes. That, that's all you can do, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just one game at a time. It worked so well for us last season, so I don't see why they changed that. No, just, just take it one game at a time, see what happens. Fingers crossed. Now, that's the end of this week's show, but there's plenty of content to keep an eye out for. Look at our website, anfieldcentral.com. There's always articles going up on there. And our Twitter, at Anfield underscore central, where there's also lots going on. Also, as I said earlier, we're now on Apple Podcasts. So just search the Anfield Central podcast into your Apple app and maybe drop us a five-star review while you're there as well, because that will help us out immensely. So thanks as ever for your time, James. Paddy, I hope you enjoyed your first show. Hope yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you'll have me back soon. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be back next week to preview the games against Brighton and, of course, that massive clash against Manchester City. So hopefully we'll be speaking to you next week, boys, and we'll have six more points in the bag. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Thank you all, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>